Sadrishtva Trastavidaya Sakmanutram Vimunjati Yamadutau Vadapratau Dhimau Sarabhashekshanau Sadrishtva Trastavidaya Sakran Mutram Vimunjati sees the messengers of the Lord of Death come before him, their eyes full of wrath, and in great fear he passes stool and urine. Please repeat. At death, he sees the messengers of the Lord of Death come before him, their eyes full of wrath, and in great fear he passes stool and urine. Purport. There are two kinds of transmigration of a living entity after passing away from the present body. One kind of transmigration is to go to the controller of sinful activities, who is known as Yamaraj, and the other is to go to the higher planets, after Vaikuntha. Here Lord Kapila describes how persons engaged in activities of sense gratification to maintain a family are treated by the messengers of the Yamaraj, called the Yamadutas. At that time of death, the Yamadutas become the custodians of those persons who have strongly gratified their senses. They take charge of the dying man and take him to the planet where Yamaraj resides. The conditions there are described in the following verse. Om Jnana Timurandasya Gyananjana Shulakaya Chakshurum Vitamina Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Vishnam Stapitam Yena Vitale Swayam Upagramana Vedakti Svapurantikam Vandeyam Shri Guru Shri Uta Parakamanam Shri Guru Vaishnamscha Shri Upam Sagrajatam Saharanavanatanvitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadhatrutam Harijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Uraha Krishna Padam Sagana Lalita Shri Vishakamvitam Shri He Krishna Kurvasundho Inamanojiyakate, Gopesha Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Mamoskate, Tapta Kanchano Rangi, Rade Dinda Vishpuri, Vishabhanu Sute Devi, Kanamani Hari Pre, Manshakopa Trubhyascha, Kripasandubhya Evacha, Patitana Bhavani Dio, Vaishnavi Dio Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Viraha Shri Vasari Gaurabhata Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare 
gave like a 400% increase of the standard fine or like standard amount of bail or whatever the situation was. They were actually much harsher, right? Which is interesting because I, I, I initially thought like they would be a bit more just or they'd be a bit more soft. They're like, okay, like we're all gonna, we're all like doing our best. But actually what it did, it backed them into this corner of the reality of their death, of their impending death. And that created fear, and from fear, anger, like in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says from fear, anger, or from lust, anger, and so on and so forth. Right? How these things, yes, Billy? Kills people. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was I heard this I heard this study on the uh, there's this NPR podcast called Hidden Brain, it was for school. And it was all about this whole they had two um, different podcasts. One was about the psychology of death and then the psychology of like life and different things like that. So it was these two psychologists that were doing this study to kind of understand what why it is that you know people act the way they do, or like how does death motivate us. So that's interesting. That could be a, a, a an element in there. I think what it what it shows though too is that that living entities and and this is really the whole dilemma with Bhagavad Gita is that Arjuna is fearful of death essentially. That's kind of what he's portraying, right? And because of that, he's not able to act properly. And this is really our issue. It's that when I when I when I misunderstand who I am as a living entity. And I find myself trapped and caught in this cycle of samsara, right? Then that's where that's where we have wars. That's why we have anger, and that's why we have violence, and that's why we have the ways in which society is kind of eating away at itself. Right? It's for this perpetuation of my own life and my own security and avoidance of death. So it mentioned also in this purport about the two kinds of transmigrations that living entities go through, right? Either with the Yamadudas or not with the Yamadudas. So I wanted to open it up and see what were some examples that you can recall. I was thinking of a few, either in Shastra or um, in, in real life that you've heard of. Not in real life, but in, in kind of like your daily experience or whatever. Of, of ways in which that people left the world in these various ways. Let's start with ways that they've left the world um, with the Yamadudas. Examples in Shastra or, or maybe specific examples you've heard. Yeah, Narakutan. I heard a story one time about a Hell's Angel who he was a friend of a devotee mm -hmm. and he he, he had a, a near-death experience where he was he was getting ripped out of his body by these hideous beings with like chains and so on. And and at some point he met his devotee friend and his devotee friend had the sixth canto on, on the table or he showed it to him or something. And on the, on the cover or on the back he saw the picture of the Amadudas mm -hmm. and the guy looked at it and his whole entire face went completely pale. He's like like those are the guys. Those are the ones that I. Those are the ones that were trying to get me out of my body. And he, like you, he like had a very vivid remembrance of that specific image of the Yamadudas pulling him out of his body. Yeah. Yes, Rati. There's this story. I think it's on Dandavats and. Um, it's the story of this devotee woman, and she went to see her father, who was leaving his body. Mm. It's a very long story, but definitely worth the read. Mm. Um, and she's describing that his whole experience, she describes in detail, but um, his whole experience of leaving his body was extremely hellish. She would like, wake up in the middle of the night and see like faces in the window, or he'd wake up and say like, his, his body was on fire. And then um, he would just like really be completely terrified, like looking up, mm. like looking up above his hospital bed. Mm. And um, one night she brought her daughter to the hospital, and her daughter described to her the Yamadudas. She said, "I saw these like beasts, and like I don't, wow. you know." And, and same thing with chains. And um, she didn't connect that it was the Yamadudas at first. Yeah. And then eventually she's like, "Oh my God, how did I not think of that?" 
And she actually, because he was so in distress, she asked uh, the hospice nurse, like, what's happening right now? Like, why is this happening? And the nurse was like, oh, like, that's just terminal restlessness. It happens to, you know, like 90% of all of our patients. And basically, they just pump them with morphine so that they don't, because they're seeing the Yamadudas, and, and it's terrifying for them. And that's what they're experiencing, and so they just want to numb them. Wow, that's, that, that brings it back to an interesting point, this idea of we've, you know, we've categorized it as terminal restlessness, right? And then, you know, one, one could look at the, and Mother Nidra had her hand up next. One could look at the medical system and say, oh, look, we're making death easier for people by giving them these drugs, but actually just making them, like yesterday's verse where I was talking about um, ashtadhi, right? Become unconscious. Right, so that's, yeah, that's the, and, and what's interesting too is that death is so misrepresented in our media, we don't talk about it, right? So not only are we unprepared spiritually as in, in, in Kali Yuga, but we're unprepared even like mentally and physically. What is it actually going to be like? Right, like in, in, in movies you see people, people die, they're like, you know, they're like full-bodied still, they still like, they look like they were, you know, can get up and walk around. Then if you're actually with someone that's leaving their body, it's like their body's emaciated because they haven't been able to eat anything, generally speaking. Right, I mean, just to, just to kind of illustrate, like, it's a lot more vivid or it's a lot more intense. Yes, Mama Nidra. Oh, thank you. So, uh, this was in the old Denver airport and, uh, I was at United Terminal, and I was distributing six cantos because uh, Tamal Krishnamaraj said uh, BDT should print huge quantities of six cantos and distribute them because it has so much nectar about the chanting of the holy names, and it's very important. We've got to get it out there. So the temple ordered like pallets and pallets of six cantos. The whole, almost the whole airport you know, book room was like six cantos. <laughs> so all day long, all year, we're just doing these six cantos and some of the devotees were, well, I, don't, I don't like that uh, picture there on the back cover because uh, people aren't going to like seeing a jamil with the Yamadudas. <laughs> so anyway, so one day, um, this young boy came on the concourse and I was showing him the book and he was like, and he, he was having like a fit, and I thought, oh my gosh, maybe he's having an epileptic fit or something. And then he um, calmed down, and he said, that's them, that's them. And I go, really, really, you saw them? And he goes, that's it. I've been looking to uh, figure this whole thing out. Who, who were they? And, and I'm seeing them right now before me in this book. i got to get this book. And he was so excited. Wow. <laughs> he was so happy to get six canto. Wow. And I was thinking, well, you know, we need to get it out there. <laughs> wow. There's, there's a portion of the story that I'm trying to remember that you just reminded me of, because Madhavananda Prabhu was telling, do you remember? I think when we were in, when we were in Govardhan, Madhavananda Prabhu was talking about how these devotees, they found a six canto, or like this brand new person just found a six canto, and that's what they read. There's something about that. Do you remember? No. I've heard so many stories about Physics Canto from different devotees. Yeah. Krishnas Kadraj Prabhu, who's a proper disciple, lives in the Toronto area, mm. had the same experience on book distribution as Mother Nidra with a different person. Wow. Two, actually, two experiences. One had a conversation with him about he saw this and made that experience. And the other one just, nice button up suit, just started to shriek, turn around, and run as fast as he could. <laughs> And on the other hand, you have in the fourth canto, Dhruv Maharaj, after he's uh, achieved his darshan of Krishna, and he's lived out his rule, and he's living on, is it Badradashram? He's, he's in the mountain somewhere. And he's worshiping the deity, and the Vishnu Dudas come to take him, and he stops his worship. No, he finishes his worship. Then he offers obeisances to all the Vaishnavas and asks their permission. Then he, he steps on the head of death and enters the, the, uh, the airplane to the spiritual world. It was amazing. That's, it was amazing. That, that's a great transition, actually. So then now, uh, what are some examples from Shastra that we've heard, or in real life, where living entities have, have transmigrated the other way, right? As, as Shana Prash is kind of, yeah. Okay. 
Um, I've had several clients that I've worked with as, as elders who have passed, and because they have been so ready to go, you know what I mean, in their life, or they think that they're going to see their loved one, that they just simply go peacefully, you know, so there's that experience of, you know, non-expression of, like, fear or pain, like, yeah. they're just so ready. Yeah. And, um, and then there's the other uh, occurrence of, you know, people that I've known where we've done prayer cir circles while they're passing. Mm -hmm. And that has had such power, I think, for that person and for those around them mm -hmm. that they go peacefully. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they're welcoming that. You yeah. know, they're, they're ready. I remember um, there's some devotees that we met from New Zealand. We met at Sarasanga and uh, her mother, or her grandmother, the, the devotee, her grandmother lives in Fort Collins, or lived in Fort Collins. And we had just met, and then that same year, she was like, my grandmother's leaving her body. Is there any way you can bring some prasadam from Radha like a garland to her? And so uh, we went there. I mean, Shirada went up there and brought a garland, and, or two garlands, and then like a Harinam Chada and like different things. And, um, and then we put the garland up, and she was... I mean, practically unconscious, just mainly sleeping. And, uh, but it was amazing. I, I put the garland over her. And right when the garland, like, touched her body, she opened her eyes and just kind of looked at me and then fell back asleep. And then we just sat there and chanted and chanted prayers and, like, I chanted Gayatri. And, and then, like, a few days later, she left her body. And it was just... So just kind of like speaking the, the way in which that Krishna is also extremely merciful, how he intervenes and, and you know, can inordinately intervene as he wishes, as he chooses you know, to, to help the living entities transmigrate better. Yeah. So, what is the, you know, what is the, I want to say, spiritual philosophy around that experience mm. as opposed to going peacefully? Like, why are those, and then some who see them early on in their life, mm. you know, like the child she was talking about, mm. like people who have seen them. So, is it from past life, their past life experiences, that they're suffering that fear in their present life experience. Oh yeah, and, and as this verse says too, it says, these Yamadutas come and take charge of the dying man who has strongly gratified their senses. Right? So so the Yamadutas take charge of people that are they, they take people essentially to the, the hellish planets where um, where the sensitivity training, right? Uh, they go through sensitivity training and learning how to understand and kind of cope with the fact that they're attached to material life and being able to uh, kind of rectify that. And we'll talk about, we'll talk more about that too, but, but it's, you know, that they become the custodians of, of those who have too strongly gratified their senses. Yeah. Hi Krishna. Um, in regards to what you're saying about how Krishna intervenes, yeah. um, I have, you know, example from my father, you know, the accident, I mean, any other person probably would have passed away on the spot, but they said one percent of his brain was still functioning. Mm. And because of that, you know, they said it sounds the last or hearing is the last sense to go. Mm. So he was able to we playing Prabhupada in his ear. Mm. He got instructions from his Guru Maharaj. You know, I mean his death was so peaceful. It was actually so peaceful. You know, when when he passed his body his mouth opened and it's like the light <laughs> just show like was shining on him. Yeah. It was such a it was such a peaceful thing. It was really hard, but you know, it, it made me feel like okay, all of his life you know, dedicated to Krishna consciousness. Now Krishna's coming at the time of his death yeah. and reciprocating and you know giving him uh, the right passage. So yeah. it's really special. It's yeah, really there's, amazing. There's that story. It was that morning walk one time. Tamal Krishna Goswami is asking Prabhupada, Prabhupada, what if at the end of life, what if we can't remember Krishna? And Prabhupada says, Well, Krishna will remember you. Right. Yeah, 
Um, so there was a story that um, Madhavacharya probably actually shared with us. Madhavacharya from DC. DC, yeah. Kunti, Mataji. Yeah. We met him in Florida. Uh-huh. And he mentioned that uh, during that time, there was only like, I think there was like a handful of disciples mm-hmm. when Bhaktivedanta Swami was passing. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, Bhaktivedanta Swami said that many, many of you, many of you who's present here will follow me, will come with me. So it was like looking at each other, like, oh, who's next? So it was like, you know, obviously, like, you know, they were like, you know, wondering who's next. So then Mother Chari mentioned this story about this uh, devotee, I forgot his name, but I, I guess I forgot because I was probably maybe want to respect his privacy anyway. Yeah. But um, he was actually passing, he was on his deathbed, uh, one of the disciples, and he actually, um, he was surrounded by his relatives and friends. And then I think it was Madhavacharya who came in, tried to do the whole Tulsi leaf and Kangajal, everything that's holy and everything. Just waiting for, waiting for the opportune moment. But all the friends and relatives didn't want, him, didn't want any Harakrishna devotee near, near this devotee who's passing. They're just like, stay away from us, you know, your Harakrishna, stay away from us, we don't want you here. Like that. But stay in that corner and just stay quiet, you know. But the funny thing happened, Prabhu just mentioned was, it was the middle of the night, everyone was sleeping. This was like two, three days later. And he was still there, Prabhu was still there. He was just waiting, you know. And uh, everyone was sleeping, and then this is, this is where Prabhu was about to pass. And this is where Madhavacharya Prabhu actually approached him and put the Gangaj on his mouth, Dulsi on his garland in him, everything, and then he passed at that time. So it's just that Krishna arranged a certain time when no obstacles come. Madhavacharya is a saint. <laughs> He's an absolute saint. Him and his wife, Kunti. I was thinking of in, in um, Chaitanya Charitamrita with Haridas Thakur mm. and how our Acharya is also in a similar mood. There's this mood of um, daimya and some repentance. Mm. And you can see the emotion that it generates. It generates this incredible... Uh, union with the Lord. Haridas Thakur, Rocha Chang is asking, how are you? He's like, I'm fine, my Lord, but I can't, you know, finish my rounds. My mind is, you know, not well. And one could say, like, wow, he's being really hard on himself. Mm-hmm. Or like Srila Bhakti Siddhantar, I've been, I've said some very strong things to mm-hmm. people. And so it's interesting how these exalted personalities, pure devotees, at that time, there's this kind of remorse, mm-hmm. you know, almost like a regret, really looking within that kind of and really seeing their like incredible humility mm-hmm. and that softness and how that brings about this uh, very intimate union mm-hmm. with the Lord. So Haridas Thakur set that example and how he was there and he just wanted to pass away with the darshan of mm-hmm. um, with uh, mm-hmm. Mahaprabhu there. So just this, this kind of mood of, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, yeah this longing, it's, it's, it's all like on such a, um, yeah, it's not this like artificial platform. Mm. And then this one, this one thing with my, my mother was leaving, I was appreciating how Krishna is coming, you know, he comes in the form of Giriraj. Mm. I remember Barshana Swami when I was traveling with him on Sankirtan, he's like, Krishna is so nice, he comes in a form that he can fit in a box and just travel with you. Mm. And so it was nice the last nine days when she kind of withdrew. You know, she stayed on for nine more days without drinking or eating. And uh, so in the morning, I would just I had I would get a rose petal from the garden and just put Giriraj on her heart mm. and, and then on her head. And I would just sit in the room for a few hours because you know my sister and my dad you know after they get restless. Mm. So I would just stay in there and just appreciate it. How nice! Like just here's this person that didn't really have any connection to mm. so. Not much, as far as their own personal choice, mm. as far as discipline and practice and mm. accepting Krishna, accepting the Lord. Uh, but how there's this so blissful uh, seeing this Giriraj on his title mm. in the morning and his Shana Japa. And, he was, and there was no way to do that if she was in a conscious state. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, no one's in the room and put Giriraj there on the and yeah. just do my sadhana for a few hours like that. So how how Krishna comes in just special ways, and mm. especially in our Vaishnava culture. We have Vrindavan Das, we have Tulsi, Giriraj, mm. the Holy Name. Mm. Such a profound, um, direct mm. connection, uh, even for a person who's never you know, voluntarily turned towards Krishna. Yeah. So, anyway, those two things I was thinking 
They, they, they were all bhaktas. They were, none of them were initiated. And they were all only practicing for like one or two years. Mm. But, you know, a series of unfortunate events and they winded up in concentration camps and labor camps and prisons. And they were still practicing their Krishna consciousness very diligently. Although they were actually promised that if you just stop preaching, then you can just be out of prison. Mm. But they, were, they refused. They said, we're, we're never going to stop. You can just kill us if you want to. You know, they were, they were so determined. And so uh, this one devotee, do you remember his name? The, I can't remember. He just read the book recently. But he, um, this one devotee, he was... Ananta something, was it? No, no. He was, he, was, he was unusually, even as a new devotee, people, he was like unusually just like remarkable person. And he was so devoted, even just within his first few months of Krishna first year. And then when he was in the concentration camp, or he was in a prison with uh, his cellmate, he, um, they, they basically, he was starving because all they could eat was bread. And you know, it was a very, very uh, pathetic situation. And so he, um, he was getting ready to leave his body. And his, his cellmate didn't realize that, just like his karma cellmate or whatever. And then uh, one day he, he left to go use the bathroom. And uh, well, first, oh yeah, first he had said, he said, can you shave my head for me? Mm. And just leave a little piece of hair in the back. Mm. And then, and then when uh, he, he went to the bathroom, his cellmate, and he came back and he was sitting in a, uh, in a yoga, like a lotus position or something like that. And he had his japa beads and he had used toothpaste to put tilak all over his body. And so he was wearing a, a he was wearing a bedsheet as a dhoti. And uh, and he was and he was like in this position of chanting, just sitting upright. But he wasn't chanting. And uh, and then he's, he's like, hey, well, what are you doing? Are you still chanting? And then he realized he had just left his body at will, you know? Uh, just like a yogi, just in that in that position, he just kind of Krishnakam, he just intentionally just left his body. Wow. I I'm I'm it, it's it's being impressed upon me the the type of you know, because one can read this section and be like, wow, how harsh. How how intense, how kind of like, you know, this description is so intense, you're dragged away by these Anadudas and then when you actually see how Krishna's mercy manifests in the world through the devotees, you know, in so many miraculous ways, you see how actually, you know, magnanimous and merciful Lord actually also, right? And it's this, uh, I feel like it's this beautiful contrast that really gives the depth of our Krishna conscious experience, right? Being able to understand that. When I was, um, when I was preparing and I was thinking of some verses, I was thinking of in the fourth canto, King Prachina Bharisha, and, uh, oh no, sorry, not Paranjana, how Narada is telling this story about Paranjana, and how it's at the point where uh, Paranjana's kingdom is being attacked by Chandavega, right? And Chandavega is, you know, and, and this whole section of Bhagavatam is a big allegory for Paranjana means one who lives in the body, and so this King Paranjana is just how he's trying to experience and live and, and enjoy the material world, and all up to the point of how Chandavega, I forget what it stands for. Time, Chandavega's time, yeah. Chandavega and uh, and the daughter of Chandavega, Jara. Correct, Shrikas? Jara is the daughter of Chandavega. Jara means old age. And how uh, at this point, uh, it, it says it in the, this fourth canto, chapter 27, verse 19, it says that this time the daughter of formidable time was seeking her husband throughout the three worlds. Although no one agreed to accept her, she came. So Prabhupada says, no scientist or philosopher has ever been able to make a solution to these four miserable conditions of birth, death, old age, disease. The invalidity of old age, known as Jara, is figuratively explained here as the daughter of time. No one likes her, but she is very much anxious to accept anyone as her husband. No one likes to become old and invalid but this is inevitable for everyone. The next verse says, The daughter of time was very unfortunate. Consequently, she was known as Durbhaga, ill-fated. However, she was once pleased by a great king, 
And because the king accepted her, she granted him a great benediction. So, he goes on to explain how Jarad embraces this Paranjana, how old age, and it talks about you know, how he's leaving his body in a very uh, intense kind of way. But in the purport, Prabhupada quotes Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Sabha Sukha Bhagala, all kinds of happiness disappear in old age. And I wanted to, I, I looked it up, it's in Sharanagati. And you also, you remind me, Tishpuru, about how the, the devotees, there's this lamentation. Right? And, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur is exhibiting this in, especially his book, Sharanagati, um, in this section of, of Dainya, where he is lamenting pitifully about his, his condition, about how, how he spent, wasted so much time, about how his life has been full of, of sinful exploitations. Right? He says, Oh Lord, please hear the story of my distressed condition of life. I consume the poison of material enjoyment, thinking it to be nectar. As a result, my days are now over. So I was thinking immediately of how he's saying, Prabhupada says, Persons who have strongly gratified their senses, the poison of sense gratification. He says, O oh Lord, I spent my childhood playing with and my youth studying. I never came to my senses. When I grew up and became a man, I entered family life, being driven by the spirit of enjoyment. Soon I became surrounded by many children and friends. And then this is where the line comes in. Vridhakala Vridhakala Alo Sabasuka Bhagala Pida Bhashe Hainukatara Sarvendriya Turbala Kshine Kalavera Bhoga Bhava Dukita Antara. At last I am now overcome by old age, so that all my happiness has deserted me. I have become miserable due to suffering from so many diseases. My senses have become weak and my body has become thin. My mind has become morose due to lack of enjoyment. So, were I to leave us at this point, uh, it, it, it'd be the what not to do, it'd be the what, not is what is not desirable. Um, I have a desire to sing one bhajan with all of you. Um, we have about seven minutes left. I want to see if there are any reflections. Um, and Nick and Brandon, could you grab the Vaishnava songbooks there in the back? And when you get this songbook, you can turn to page 51. This is a, a bhajan called Manasadeho Deho. And this is a uh, one of my one of my favorite songs by Bhaktivinoda Thakur because it quite uh, beautifully depicts how one should what one should do as opposed to what one should not do, but what one should do to avoid this type of fearful condition that death brings upon the living entities who are who are put in a, in a very, as it said yesterday, pitiful condition. This is 51, page 51. Yeah. 
Prabhu Guru Pati Shout out. 